0: More than ever before, advertisers are concerned about where their ad spend is going. So, the quest to take control over media investments is underway. The question is, should you or should you not bring programmatic in-house? Come join us at the Digiday Programmatic Marketing Summit Europe in Estoril, Portugal from April 25th to 27th to see how Europe's leading brands are innovating and challenging the status quo. For more information, visit digiday.com slash events. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Digiday producer Aditi Sangal and this episode is a session from our Digiday Media Buying Summit. Media agencies are cutting ad tech vendors. Why are they doing it and how? Digiday's Jack Marshall talks to Erica Schmidt, global CEO at Cadrion, IPG's ad tech unit. Listen in.
1: Erica, thank you so much for being here. Pleasure to be here, thank you. Um, so, agencies cutting off ad tech vendors. Yes. Uh, big issue. Obviously, um, relevant to many people in this room, sure. I think, today. Um, So maybe just start by giving us a quick sense of how you've been thinking about this over the last couple of years at Kajion.
2: Sure, so um, we've been in existence um, as a specialist in the programmatic industry, an ad tech specialty vendor, or agency, I should say. Um, And one of the things that I think differentiates us from the rest is is we've put a lot of rigor and and process behind how we evaluate our ad tech partners. Uh, We have a product and engineering team that's based in San Francisco. We were born out of San Francisco, so it's sort of in that ad tech ecosystem to begin with, um, where we put a lot of rigor behind how we evaluate them. And I know I just said that. But um, the core thing is is we... First, spend time with our platform partners to understand what their strategic roadmap is, what their unique value proposition is, and quite honestly, in a lot of circumstances, there's nothing unique, um, or they're not able to articulate that, um, and to understand what their what their guiding ambitions are going to be. Um, and before they we even contract with them, uh, we'll put them through a process which is bake off, uh, where literally they are stack ranked against other platform partners. So. We do it in a way where we first evaluate, or we let the platform leverage their own technology and operate it themselves. They hand the keys over to us. The reason that we have them do it is, is you know, presumably they should know their platform best and be able to get the you best and brightest out of it. Uh, but the reason we want the keys is, is because we want to yeah. identify are there inherent biases towards their own inventory or their own relationships or their own data or their own ecosystem, as it it were, and to make sure that everything that is available to us on a self-service basis supersedes that which is only available to them within their own walls, as it were. Um, And and really, if they don't pass well on the bake-off, they have a lot of work to do, and they kind of stay in the limbo or purgatory of our ecosystem. Um, And those that do, obviously, have the the hard work of working through with us on what their strategic advantage is and and how we're going to power up together on behalf of our clients, they'll also get plumbed into our overarching systems. Um, And they get evaluated not just from the scorecard perspective, or from the bake-off perspective, but we run scorecards too. So we hold them to uh, a high rigor in terms of what they could provide to us.
1: So you'd mentioned previously that you you literally put these guys into, like, buckets? or yes. I, I don't know how you describe yeah,
2: it. Yeah, we have a tiering process, right? So tier yes. three. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes there's a little bit of a misnomer in this ecosystem that there's nothing really new out there. Um, but there are still players who are cropping up, who are knocking down our doors. They might be talking. I laughed when, she, when we were talking about... AI in the last session, because that seems to be the new thing that everybody's coming in in with as a new angle, um, including those who had really uh, silly ad tech names who have now rebranded and are focusing on AI. No, no to a different disrespect silly ad tech name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know we know that we love the buzzwords in this industry. Um, and then we have our tier two platform partners who are sort of, you know, they get leveraged, but there's no real scale or, or big part of business. And then our tier one platforms who are really the ones that probably get... The bulk of, of the investment that comes through in terms of our choices of platforms, but we've always remained very rigorous. So I have a huge, uh, fantastic team of uh, campaign managers. So you know they're the specialists in trade craft, and they, at the end of the day, in partnership with the our strategy side of the business, make the decision which platform we use. So we don't go in and say you must use A, B, or C. We say this is what you have as your sort of. Toolkit, you make the choice as to what's going to deliver best. And that's going to be based on their familiarity, how well they could hack through it, and what they know is going to give them the best results for our clients.
1: So when it comes to kind of working <laughs> through those tiers or working yeah. upwards, as I'm guess, guessing yeah. you do in your case, um, what's sort of the key motivation there? Is it you know, just efficiency? Is it uh, scale and sort of leverage and pricing? Is there an element of transparency there, increasingly, or how do you kind of think about it? Um,
2: you know, I think I think the core the core thing is is um, we are, of course, looking for a pricing advantage, which we carry on to our client, right? So we bring to bear like any big agency holding group, we bring the volume and scale that we have as as how we operate and manage our client spend. We say to the, the platforms who are in that tier one, listen, you know, we would expect because of the volume that you're going to see that you couldn't get if you had to chase around and do yourself, uh, that there would be some pricing advantage. But second, secondly, and perhaps just as importantly is it's not just a scale game. It's also that. Their their strategic roadmap aligns with our philosophy and where we see things going. And where there are opportunities where we can, and this is where I push really heavily when they then get that contract signed, and they're like, okay, so the doors are open. Like We're waiting. It's not that easy. You have to tell us what you're going to bring to the table that is unique and different. What are the doors that you could open within your own organization to give us access to data, to give us access to... You know, uh, beta opportunities, and everybody loves a good beta opportunity. We, I hate it because we tend to break the systems because of the scale that we have, but um, that is, that is well, that's a core a real part of opportunity. That's what
1: a beta is supposed to be, right?
2: Yeah, but who does that – they get all the learnings, and I have to go <laughs> in the cold face with my client and say, yeah, sorry, we know we managed your expectation that this was going to be under the guise of innovation or under the guise of trying something pioneering, but pff, didn't work. Even even those large companies who are you know part of the full stack, as it were, even when they come to us with betas, I would posit that they're actually alphas, and they have we have definitely broken some systems there. So
1: are we talking about Google here by chance? Oh, I, refu- I, re-
2: I, I prefer not to say.
1: <laughs> you <can pass> that. <laughs> you, yes. Um,
2: I'm just not going to be the one easy. to say it on stage.
1: <laughs> um, so one question I always have, though, is, I guess you just touched on this, but how do you ensure you're not stifling innovation um, by sort of partnering with fewer platforms? And how do you make sure that you're you know, still testing? Yeah. How do you sort of operationalize that or think about it internally?
2: Well, well so, I mean, this is the thing. Is, is So, uh, you know, I have teams in New York, uh, Chicago, Detroit, L.A., San Francisco. The spectrum of clients that we have is is vast and disparate, right? So you know, obviously we have a heavy concentration, or not obviously, but if you have a team in Detroit, we have a concentration on automotive. If you go out west, we have you know some some of the most pioneering companies, the the ones who didn't even know that they needed a media agency partnership a couple of years ago, who are now working with us, and each of them has a different requirement, a different set of objectives, uh, and a different means by which their their overarching media is planned. So. Um, we, We, and I think this is the benefit of enabling our teams to make the right decisions on platforms, is as they come to us and to our product organization and say, you know, Joe so-and-so has just come in from this AI platform. And I'm like, yeah, and? But you know, you give them the, you provide them the opportunity. And if they, if they think that they can bring it to the table and it's going to bring benefit or it's going to help us innovate or help us find a new opportunity to grow and to provide ultimately the better benefit to our clients, then we're totally open to it. And so um, they still have to go through that same process, but you know, we have it not just where it's our product organization who isn't talking to clients most of the time, so it's not them making those decisions that we're enabling the users to make those decisions and to innovate. Of course, it gets hard to innovate the bigger you get. But I think we still have innovation at our, at our core as a, from a DNA perspective. So the teams do want to go and try new things.
1: Is it fair to say you're not bullish on AI then?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I, you know, and Susan's point was perfect, right? Which is, you know, and and here's a perfect example. So another platform partner who shall remain nameless have come in and been very aggressive. You know, we really think that you should be using our auto-optimization algorithm um, and, they've, and they've perpetuated that all throughout our organization. Fundamentally, it's in discord with what we believe because we believe that you get the best out of technology with the best operators and that trade craft that we bring to the table. So finally, I think because they just wore my teams down, they were like, okay, fine. We will, and and it was along the notion of AI, right? Like, this is building the seeds to AI, Kadrian. You know, you need, this is where you need to be going. Uh, And quite simply, um, it took two weeks for anything to happen in terms of results, which most of our clients do not want to wait for that long. Um, And then when they did, when we got the results, they were not as good as the results were when we were doing it ourselves and manually managing our optimization strategies. I I shall wait with bated breath to see if anything material comes uh, that's useful to us. I want to take a
0: quick break here and tell you about Digiday Plus. Digiday Plus is our premium membership product. Join our community to get a first-hand look at how digital is transforming the world of media. You'll get the Digiday magazine, exclusive research, and invites to exclusive member events. And it's only thirty-three dollars a month, or three hundred ninety-five dollars a year. Please sign up at Digitate.com. And for you, our podcast listener, we have a discount offer to get twenty-five percent off your subscription. Enter the code Podcast at checkout. Now back to the episode.
1: So, to, just to come back to—I mean, we just touched on this—but the transparency thing. I mean, yeah. this is something that came up in our town hall this morning. You know, obviously, along the supply chain, transparency is becoming a bigger issue. Yeah. Um, how do you think about that when you're sort of evaluating the number and the type of partners that you're working with? I mean is that sort of part of that?
2: you know I think transparency you know has come to mean many different things to many different types Very of people true. and has evolved over the course of the past several years. At first, it was you know we want to understand how you're getting compensated and you know the lens was and like the brake cameras back there you know fully fully on uh, folks like ourselves. We welcomed that because we felt like the, the industry needed that. Um, And I felt like we were providing results, I have nothing to hide. Transparency also was uh, the way that most media agencies plus programmatic partners like ourselves were operating, we just weren't sharing what was going on. So simply put, we had to do more education, we had to make sure that we weren't simply a line item on a plan, we're we're not a media vendor, we are a strategic specialist unit, part of the um, overall ecosystem within IPG. And now transparency, thankfully, post-ANA report, where, and I, I think I mentioned this to you already, Jack, You know, the ANA report stopped right at the agencies and did not go any deeper and did not actually look at the entirety of the ecosystem. So I very much am glad to see that that lens and that camera is going to ensure that uh, the it's... I guess you would call it uh, a panoramic view of what exactly is going on in the ecosystem. And we think it's about time. We've pushed on that, right? So, you know, when you think about, even just from a brand safety perspective and, and wanting to make sure that, you know, we are delivering as best we can, we put a lot of, and that's the benefit of when you work with partners the way that we do we are more bullish with them on what our requirements are for their table stakes even to get in the door. So um, we have been pushing really hard on getting a deeper lens. I think we're seeing that happen, right? But it's still going to take some time, because they have to go through the same thing that we did, which is, is OK, so when I say I'm going to be open, what does that really mean? Um, you know, With blockchain, as well as some of the players that are out there that are talking to our clients and saying, you know, we could give you a lens on the whole ecosystem, uh, the clients are like, yeah, that sounds great. We know we have nothing to hide. We want to partner with them on it. But as they navigate through that, it's been very difficult to break open those contracts and to get the lens that they're looking for. So I think transparency is not anything that's going to go away. I think as a culture or as a, you know, our workforce demands transparency, as do our clients and as they should. And I think that's just, you know, it's, it's a hygiene factor now more than anything else but glad to see it, it continues to progress.
1: So you mentioned the ANA report, and w- yeah. we talked about this earlier. Would you have liked to have seen that go further? I mean, obviously the ANA has its, sure. its own interests. And- yeah,
2: I, yeah, absolutely. Listen, I think, um, I think probably all the major holding groups had a, had a sniff of what was going to come in the ANA report before it was actually published. I think some of them had massive panic, as you would expect, because it's like, this could really blow up. And do we need to take a concerted effort towards how we approach it as a group of of holding companies, which we didn't take that approach. It's not how Michael Roth operates. Uh, Like I said, I welcomed it. It did lead to, the right conversations they might have been Some tough conversations, conversations sure. because yeah. what it did is it immediately set this this notion that we all have something to hide that we are all bad actors and that we are all playing you know with our clients' dollars irresponsibly That's simply not the fact. I wouldn't be able to stand on this stage today if I were doing all those nefarious things that were accusations within the ANA report. Some of the interviews that they did were from like five or six years prior, which, of course, in this ecosystem around programmatic, things change at the change of a dime, like a turn of a dime. And so, you know, I think it's good. I think it's a conversation that needs to continue. But at the time, it did lead to some painful things, but I think ultimately for the right reasons.
1: So in terms, coming back to like the idea of, of cutting down vendors, again, an issue that was brought up in the town hall this morning was the concern of clients taking things in-house. Yeah. And I wonder for you, sort of acting on behalf of a client, if you guys are whittling it down to a few key partners, if that kind of plants the seed in the client's mind to a degree to, you know, they, they start thinking maybe we could do something.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess how many is a few, right? So, you know, we didn't really go into, you know, we have more than 25 partners within our ecosystem. Does that mean that those 25 partners get, you know, an equal share of, of what our spend is and our spend composition? Absolutely not. There's inherently, you know, a nature of where, you know, there is going to be more preference. Like my traders certain like certain platforms above others. They have a community and a, and a way of working that they share. So... That gets momentum that way. But on the in-house and then on the notion of how as you get close, let's face it, the the ecosystem is is becoming consolidated. We've seen a huge amount of acquisitions of a lot of the major DSPs over the past year and a half, two years. Um, I think a lot for the right reason. There's a few that haven't had the exits, which I think they're in a little bit of a panic about. But, you know... um, we still want to make sure, one of our unique value propositions is that whole notion of how we do the rigor and the assessment of platforms. Another is is that we do have the ability to operate multiple platforms. So that, key, that remains our differentiator. And it's not easy to go and contractually engage with some of those platforms to get all the plumbing the way that you want it done. And so we find client, the, the notion of in-house is actually for us in most of our client circumstances or are, are they, um, will have gone through a process of you know, hiring a consultant, which was another subject that was in the last panel, um, and those consultants will say you know, five or six core things about ownership of data, about what you need to do on a DNP basis. They will say that you should have direct relationships. This is what you should have in your agency contracts. Okay, great, let's go through that. But what most of our clients have found now that it's it's more of a hybrid is what ended up happening with most of our clients where, you know, they want to take ownership of the technology relationships. I have no issue with that. Go for it. Have fun, but go for it. And and the reason I say have fun is, is because we've had instances where clients went and did their own negotiation with platform partners not knowing, like, what is the right way in which a platform fee is allocated to media spend or you know what they might get uh, charged for in terms of data storage or number of, of rows and columns, as it were, that they could save. And it's like, oh, now I get why we had you. So it can be uh, helpful. So it can be helpful. Degree. Absolutely. So now we're just in this ecosystem where some of our clients have gone all in. And they said, okay, you know, we're only going to do a contract with this partner. And this partner has told us which we know how to call BS on. This partner has told us that they could do everything under the sun that you would ever want to do in programmatic, and we want you to operate it. And then we have to go through that lovely process of saying, no one platform could do it all. That's fundamentally a philosophy for us. And so I, you know, we'll work with this. We're going to have to push this platform to do the right integrations or to, to measure things in the way that you want to integrate. I already said integration, but you know, to, to be aligned with what we're trying to do. Um, but there's other choice out there. And in a world of walled gardens, you can't go all in with just one. I mean, that's just a reality, and we sure. think that that's important as well. So I think in-housing and then the notion of how you whittle down partners, you know, it could be the, the sometimes the question is as well, you know, because the platforms do get an audience with our clients, that's fine. They will go in and say, you know what? Like, we have a team that could do managed service for you. Um, and then the client comes back and says, well, why do we need you? Well, there's a lot of reasons, right? So it's we're integrated into the media agency. We understand your holistic strategy. A media agency's role is always in- inherently to get the best results based on the strategic business objective and to make sure that there's objectivity in the media ecosystem. You don't get that when you go all in with one. but um, I you know I think we're still we're still in a nascent stage around some of these things. and while programmatic has certainly grown and matured, there's still a wealth of opportunity out there. so, you know, that's why we're very clear about, you know, maintaining ourselves as a, as, a, as a business and putting some strategic stakes in the ground in terms of where we want to see the business go.
1: Okay, uh, we're nearly out of time, but we will open up for a question or two, if we have any.
3: Hi, uh, Hi. I'm Afrin. Um So go, just going back to your um, point about DSPs just a couple of minutes, or a minute ago, um, you mentioned instances where clients are now more involved in the communication. Um, you kind of let them join and, and I, I think I agree with you that that's very positive. It you know, brings about more client education, et cetera. You also mentioned coming to that point where you realize um, once the client has sort of done their own vetting and there's this decision made to go with partner X that they may or may not deliver on all of the things that they mentioned before. Correct. Um, and pushing them to develop more or to you know deliver on those promises. Have you found that as more clients kind of take those steps, does that enable you to really push those partners? And have you seen success with you know roadmaps actually changing or delivering based on just the fact that the client is so much more involved?
2: I, I think I think it depends on the DSP or the platform partner, right? So, um, and and to be perfectly honest with you. You know, we do bring the clout to the table in terms of the scale that we have. We still marry that up with a client irrespective of whether the client has engaged directly or not. There is less of a motivation when we're only making that push for one client and one client unique situation. And, and so we do, and there are some platforms who just are like, no, it, this is the, nobody else has requested this. We haven't heard this from anywhere else. It's only for one client, we're not gonna do it. And then, you know, you have to have the conversation. We'll walk away from that. But I do think that the, the best partners, the reason that we call them partners is, is because they understand that they need to prioritize those needs of ourselves as well as our clients, irrespective of the contractual relationship that exists. But that's what my product and engineering teams in San Francisco do all the time is push on those roadmaps, push on those integrations that we need, plus what the real user is saying, if it doesn't work, then I have to move on.
1: Okay, we're out of time, unfortunately, but Erica, Absolutely. thanks so much. For Thank your you very loss. much, Jack. It's Thank been you. a pleasure.
2: Thanks.
0: That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, and I hope you did, then please share it forward. How you can do that is by rating us and leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you soon with another session.